0: Today on The Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. We certainly know for the last, uh, what do we hear? 64 weeks of The Scott Thompson Home Show, uh, obviously front and center has been COVID-19. And it, it's interesting, we even think about this when planning the show, and it was just... Uh, very, very recently that we have started talking about something other than COVID-19. And even in some cases, it has not been at the top of the show, which is usually the most important issue. Things like LRT have bumped it off. Uh, Things, unfortunately, like the Kamloops story. uh, And of course, uh, the story out of London, Ontario, um, also uh, bumping COVID-19 off the uh, front page, so to speak. Uh, But now, as we see uh, the global pandemic Uh, Well, I don't want to say it's coming to an end, but we're certainly getting a grasp on it and we can see light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, And, of course, a lingering federal election, which uh, we know right now that there's, you know, obviously um, uh, the, the government is looking for that sweet spot, that window. Uh, most likely in the fall of when they can uh, call an election and try to win a majority. But what are the issues? Uh, and it's interesting, there's an Angus Reed uh, study out that says that, uh, other policies, uh, may now dominate election issues as concerns over COVID 19 dissipate. Still, healthcare. Uh, gone way up but uh it's interesting how things have uh have changed let's bring in jeffrey dvortkin senior fellow at massey college former director of journalism at the university of toronto scarborough and author of trusting the news in a digital age and jeffrey is with us now jeff thank you for the time i hope you're doing well
1: yeah i'm doing fine i hope you are too
0: Yeah, so far, so good. Thank you so much. Uh, Will it be different now uh, to have this next election? How will this election be different than others in the past, considering now we have lived through a global pandemic?
1: A great question (laughs) for which there may be many answers, Hmm. um, including a few clichés about the volatility of the electorate and uh, how changeable public opinion can be. I think that the Angus Reed poll is really interesting because it shows that people are relieved that they may, they're seeing that their obsession with COVID may be allowed to diminish to a certain extent. The issue around uh, the discovery of the, of the, of the bodies at the residential school in Kamloops is certainly, uh, Affecting all of us, and it, it, it's a terrible, terrible story, and it calls into question, you know, what kind of country this is, and how could this have happened, etc. I sense that, and my guess is as good as yours, or anybody's, or even Angus Reid's, that I think that the the attention span of the public is now quite fragmented, and I think part of this is. In this digital age, um, we're seeing people being pulled in many directions all at the same time. I think it's going to be very tough for uh, once the federal election is called for the parties to try to focus their message in a way that is going to be powerful and effective. And I don't. I think. I think everything's up in the air at this point. It could be that. COVID reemerges in some way, or the issue around indigenous people and the treatment thereof may, may dominate. I think that there are so many balls in the air in terms of what's going to happen uh, in, in that election that um, I think we could be talking about this for days, if not weeks and months.
0: Um, Talking about this or looking at this Angus Reid statistic, uh, and this is ranking the issues facing Canada and what you care most about. Uh, and the number one issue, although it's not COVID, it certainly is healthcare uh at 35%. And I'll give you the, the top five just to get us started here. healthcare at 37%. Uh, COVID-19 response, 31%. Uh, climate change, 29 Housing affordability, 29 So there's a virtual tie there. And the economy uh, coming in at, at uh, 26%. And if you want to go to six, the deficit or government spending uh, coming in at 24%. Let's talk about health care. It's not COVID, uh, certainly not COVID-19, but it is a result. Result of how surprised are you to see healthcare front and center because usually that's in the top three or four on, before any election
1: i think that covid has shaken all of us uh the idea that there may not be a long-term or even a short-term solution to this that this may be something that we all have to live with uh for the foreseeable future i think people are now starting to think about um their health, how health care is provided. I think people, my sense is, you know, from following the news, that people have not been very happy with how both the federal and provincial governments have handled the rollout of the vaccines. And that, in fact, there is this uh, group of uh, young people here in Toronto called VaxFinders, and they were the ones that created this website that said if you need a shot, come tell us where you live, and we'll tell you where you can get one. Mm-hmm. Why governments weren't quite as efficient um, is really astonishing to a lot of people. So there's a sense that uh, the healthcare system is precarious, shall we say, and that that COVID pointed out just how precarious the system is, and so that may be that, that is why I think it's foremost in people's minds
0: do you think this uh pandemic has pointed has made can-, can Canadians realize that perhaps we're not as self-sufficient as we once thought we were uh post-world War II, we certainly know where canada's ranking was and 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 you know we can do anything we were ambitious we can we can get her done so to speak and now all of a sudden we find ourselves standing here with our hands out and oh i didn't know we didn't produce that i didn't know we didn't produce this uh, whether it's vaccines or ppe do you think it's pointed out to our inadequacies and how we've sort of lost our self-sufficiency over the years. That's
1: my that's my sense of it, that uh, people are saying, wait a minute, you in the government were supposed to provide for us in a, in a fundamental way, and that didn't happen. Now, fortunately, we seem to be emerging on the other side of that, but there was a time, I would say maybe four or five weeks ago, where people were saying, what the heck happened here? How, how did... How did everybody seem to drop the ball on this, and why was there such a lack of coordination?
0: Uh, is uh, it, it seems that um, we we. We think we're more cutting edge than what we are, but it appears that we're depending on others to do the work. For example, uh, whether it's self-sufficiency in, in PPE, whether it's energy, uh, whether it's vaccine and such. Um, you know, again, issues about climate change. We 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 want to hit these goals. We want to do our part to save the world. But yet we're farming out a lot of the dirty work that we're doing in order in order to reach those goals as opposed to actually moving forward. Uh Is this going to change? Has the pandemic changed people's attitudes? Uh, you know, once we were more divided, you're on this side, you're on that side. Has this united us on in any way? Has this brought us to the center?
1: I think if, the, if you consider the center to be um, a sense of uh, frustration with how the system now works in Canada, I think that that has become, that has coalesced. I think if a political party is able to and this is just a, a guess on my part. But I, my my sense is, is that if a political party is able to uh, channel that concern in an effective way, that may be a way in which they will go into the election and say, if they're the liberals, here's what we've done for you, and here's why we've been as successful as we are. And if we're the Tories or the NDP, they'll say, no, this is what was missing, and here's here is the lack of leadership that we in the NDP or the Greens or the, or the Tories are able to provide. I think that's why everything seems to be at this point, and again, it's a volatile situation, but I think at this point, um, the outcome of an election may be less assured uh, than we thought.
0: I thought uh, during the beginning of this pandemic it seemed to really unite us. It seemed to bring us together. We saw all levels of government working together, all political parties working together, and there you know, there was this sort of hope, and maybe I was being naive, that at the end of this we would we would have more empathy towards each other and be less divisive. You know, we often sit up here in Canada and look at the U at the United States and stick our nose in the air and think how much better we are than them, and we talk about their divisiveness, their divisive style of politics. But really, we're just we're a lot alike, are we not? I mean, isn't that happening here?
1: Well, it is. And and you're right. Uh, I think what one of the things that has been pointed out is that uh, once Trump was out of office and Biden took over, there was more clarity about how to address the pandemic in the United States. And for a time, I don't think that's necessarily the case now, but for a time, the americans were outperforming the canadians in terms of providing resources distributing vaccines uh getting the message out that people need to get uh, a first vaccine and a second vaccine it and in canada part of our uh, charm as as it were is that we love to consult with one another and maybe this idea of constant consultation with various corners of the culture and of the country uh, may be uh, very nice if you're into that sort of thing. But as far as providing the level of effective service, it didn't work as well in Canada as it did in the States. Now, things are starting to unravel in the U.S., as, as they often do, and things are starting to make more sense in Canada, as they often do. But I think the process was quite... Uh, surprising for many Canadians that uh, the, the federal government thought that I think that Trudeau could charm the big pharmacies into giving the providing the vaccines. That didn't happen because we are a small player, and there are larger areas like the European Union and the United Kingdom and the United States that have the power of the marketplace behind them. Canada just doesn't. And for all of the prime minister's
0: charm, that didn't work. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, if we look at this poll, healthcare, uh, COVID 19 response coming in second, then climate change at number three, then housing affordability, the economy, the deficit, income equality, poverty, indigenous issues, taxes, jobs. Uh, crime, uh, and energy. Uh, Climate change is number three ahead of housing, economy, uh, deficit, inequality, and indigenous issues. Are Mm. you surprised at that? I am. Considering considering one is a very long-term strategy, the other stuff (laughs) affects us now.
1: Well, I think the whole idea about climate change is that we can all agree that it's an issue. Uh, It's a problem. Uh, the question is
0: good point yeah how,
1: what are we prepared to do about it and i think that that's if the, the questions asked by angus reed got more granular as they say and start to say well what would you give up or what would you be prepared to uh to do to address the issue of climate change would you be willing to not drive a car would but then the issue becomes: What about how am I going to get around? What about public transportation? It's it's very easy to say yes, climate change is an issue. It's much harder for all of us to say what are we going to do about it.
0: Uh, this is a question I love to ask uh, uh, every uh, uh, poli sci prof that I have, or anyone who's involved in this sort of discussion. Yours specifically from a journalism angle, but. Um, it seemed at one time in Canadian politics, uh, the Conservative Party was right of centre, the Liberal Party was left of centre, and then the NDP was farther left than that. It now seems that, uh, the Conservative Party has allowed themselves to be painted into the extreme right. Uh, the Liberal Party has gone so far left, that you, you know, that they're eating the lunch of the NDP. Does anybody realize the win, the victory is in the centre, or am I an old guy?
1: Well uh, welcome to the old guy club uh, <laughs> i th- I think that we're we need to kind of readjust uh, because i'm I'm part of the old 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 guy club too um, but I think we need to have to understand that younger people in this country and i've taught a few of them um, are really have less patience for those kinds of categories what they're interested in is how can their lives be made more meaningful? And in journalism, um, we're seeing in a lot of, especially in the larger media organizations like the Toronto Star, or the CBC, or CTV, that there is an impatience about who's telling the stories and how are those stories being chosen to be told. And so we're going to see, uh, if present trends continue, as they say, I think we're going to see a lot more opinion journal- journalism, excuse me, and, yeah. and sort of advocacy around these kinds of issues, because that younger cohort of journalists who are terrific um, are not willing to, you know, necessarily say, okay, well, you know, I'll I'll do the overnight shift and I'll I'll cover the police courts when they think there are more urgent and more important stories to be told. Uh, I I often, that, sorry, I go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, and I think that's where the, the story around uh, Indigenous issues w- is really going to come uh, to be a strong uh, appeal for many media organizations, especially for those, those younger journalists who see themselves, their stories have been avoided, excluded, ignored for so long. And we have these this older cohort of managers, and mostly white and male, of course, but not, more female, but still pretty white, uh, are saying, "Well, that's not the way journalism works. Journalism is about uh, an apprenticeship. You know, you pay your dues when you're when you're younger. You work these horrible shifts, and eventually you move into something that is more of a uh, an area of expertise." Uh, that you can, you're comfortable with isn't that that with the same with
0: anything though Jeff?
1: Uh, maybe, but I think in journalism we're seeing this kind of generation clash and cultural clash being worked out all over the place in the United States and in Canada and I, And there was a story the other day on CTV a local CTV reporter who was an indigenous reporter reporting from Kamloops yes just yesterday, I believe, or last last night. And he burst into tears on the air. Yeah. The issue is, should he have been so moved to uh as part of his reporting? And the older bunch who would have said, No, you know you never can do that yeah. um are now being told, wait a minute, maybe we have to do that. Maybe the stories we're telling are um too rigid, too cold blooded too impersonal and not effective.
0: I think there's um, two different issues there though, Jeff, because you know you're talking about and and I know the reporter you're speaking of on CTV and doing an incredible job, I might add. Um, uh, you know, story selection, the topics you go after, that's one thing. But I think what's also happened, and I get confused with this all the time, I'm a commentator. You know, I'm not a reporter. It's my job to offer commentary. That's different from a newscaster who's there to just report the news. And it seems those lines have been blurred or people don't really understand which is which. Um, obviously commentary has a bit more freedom than those that are just supposed to stand up and tell an unbiased story.
1: Right. And I think there's room for both. Uh, When I was teaching uh, Fundamentals of Journalism Writing at the U of T, I asked these wonderful young people, okay, write an editorial. Tell me what you think and feel and understand from your own background and experiences about a certain issue. But do it in a way that is reliable, that it isn't just, I feel, therefore I am. Yeah. I feel, and it's because of these facts. And it was really interesting to have a sense from these younger students, um, many of whom came from more diverse backgrounds than I did, um, and how they see the world in substantially different ways and what they want to bring to their journalism. And what I told them was, Use who you are and your life experiences to inform your journalism, but not to deform your journalism. Hmm. And that's the challenge. It's that, it's, and it's a tough balancing act. I'll be the
0: first to admit it. Uh, we can uh, do a whole segment just on the media, and we'll do that someday, Jeff. Uh, Jeffrey Dvorkin, with us, senior fellow at Massey College, former uh, director of journalism at the University of Toronto Scarborough and author of Trusting the News in a Digital Age. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Be well.
1: You too. My pleasure.
0: Scott Thompson show weekdays from noon to three on 900 CHML.